Get ready to transform how you communicate and market, not only in business, but in your life. This is Marketing Matters. For more information on today's show and other topics, visit ryansowers.com. Here's your host, best-selling author and national speaker, Ryan Sowers. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another Marketing Matters with Ryan Sowers, powered by our Tangwadat magazine. We are broadcasting live on the In Results Radio Network inside the Perimeter Roofing Studio from the Country Inn and Suites by Radisson in beautiful Stone Mountain. I am super excited to have my friend here today, the one, the only, Jason Longshore. How you doing, Jason? <laughs> doing good. How are you? Fortunately, Jason's a pro's pro. We were doing some pre-gaming and, you know, dealing with all the stuff you do before you go on <laughs> air. But, uh, all right, Jason, I'll give people, like, the, the broad, uh, since you're used to announcing and, and doing all the sh- interviews and whatever, let people know if they don't know who you are, just all the stuff you do in your background. Yeah, so I do color commentary for Atlanta United on 92.9 The Game. I've done that since 2017. Awesome. Call Atlanta United two games. We're doing those in-house now with Soccer Down Here, which is a podcast that I helped okay. start along with John Nelson and Jarrett Smith and Nick Alifi. And call high school games, college games for Georgia State, Oglethorpe, Kennesaw State, uh, doing the high school state championships for NFHS here in a couple of weeks. So if there's a soccer game, I'm usually there either calling it or interviewing somebody or taking pictures or video. All right, folks, for all my listeners out there, we have a person who I'm going to be learning from today. (laughs) No, but in all all seriousness, uh, you really have a passion of promoting the game of soccer. And, and, you know, we were talking about my three daughters and kids and, and that you and I played, you know, back yep. in the day. Uh, but probably not as, I mean, now with things you're doing, but probably a lot of exposure was needed, correct? Yeah. I, I mean, for me, you know, I always think back to how I was as a kid and I fell in love with the game during the 86 World Cup and Diego Maradona hooked oh, yeah. me forever. So Argentina winning the World Cup this past time, I was a little excited. Took you back? Yeah, a little bit. Um, was, I, that, was that the hand of God one? Yep. 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 And I didn't see that as a kid. It was the semifinal against Belgium that hooked me forever okay. in the game. And I wanted to wear number 10 and I wanted Puma boots and I wanted the blue and white striped shirt, all of it. But when I, I fell in love with it, you know, I'd grown up in Atlanta being a Braves fan, being a Falcons fan, being a Georgia <laughs> Bulldogs fan. And I'm trying to figure out like as a nine year old, well, wait a minute, this doesn't exist right. in what I want now in soccer. Like there isn't a team, there isn't a league. No. What does all this mean? So I think everything I do now is kind of almost like trying to provide that information to me as a little kid. Sure. Of, you know, just being able to follow the game like we follow all the other sports, like we we have the posters on the wall of our heroes. Luckily, now that's possible. But even still, I mean, I think there's a lot of room for growth in, in soccer and in the whole state. Well, there is. And, and, you know, people even understanding the game, you know, when we look at it from our United States perspective, it's like the biggest game in the world. And yet, you know, uh, you know, people come to when they see the World Cup and and I want to come back to Atlanta United in a second. But, uh, well, let me just jump on that now. You know, you've been you've been uh, what color commentary for um, Atlanta United since the inception, correct? Yeah. So what was it like? You know, you've been in Atlanta like me. We've watched you know, Atlanta fans, you know, and you know what I mean by the Falcons games alone. You know, you never, never know who's going to show up, <laughs> but that Atlanta United seems to be, always be packed. Yeah. It's, it's been amazing to see. I mean, the, the first game, like I got the opportunity to do radio with the team really right before the opener. Like that week is when I got the gig. So I was so kind of 
focused on doing a good job and, and not screwing it up right. game one that I, I didn't soak everything in the way I kind of wish I had. But I'll always remember after that game, like the two things that stand out, one, seeing so many people in jerseys right. walking in the building for a team that hadn't played a game yet. And two, just sitting in the parking lot after the game and just kind of compressing everything like, okay, we just had a real high-level professional soccer match with an Atlanta team in this city that drew over 50,000 people. And I called it on the radio. And right. what just happened? Because this yeah. this was not even something you could dream about. Yeah, I mean, it, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, because you know, we I try to watch them when when I can see him or listen to him when I can see him. But um, it pretty much follows that pattern. Here's always a pretty big big crowd, right? Yeah, always. Um, I mean, even when in these past couple of years where you've had a bunch of injuries and they they didn't make the playoffs last year. The crowds are still good, and I think what's so interesting about it is Atlanta United games, to me, are the true representation of Atlanta because a Falcons game, when the Falcons are good, <laughs> the Falcons games are amazing. Oh, yeah. I had season tickets during the Michael Vick years, oh, sure. and, and just the excitement level oh, was yeah. unbelievable, but Atlanta United brings in that international aspect of yeah. Atlanta that... Maybe it wasn't as big of a factor 15 years ago. Now but, it is. But now Atlanta is a worldly city, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a global city. It's like we finally caught up to having the Olympics in 96. That's right. That's what I was going to say. You know, we, we have the Olympics in 96, and we finally, you know, we finally figured it out. But I was thinking, uh, you know, I didn't even understand. As a friend of mine had played, I'm trying to think, uh, I can't think of the guy's name. He plays. He played Brookwood this year, but he played at Atlanta United too. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not two. What, what are they called? The second team? The second team. Is yeah, Atlanta right? United okay. too. But uh, my mind's escaped. Uh, uh, I can't remember what it was. But so you – that's a lot of games to broadcast. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, I mean, you know, to do it right, and you mm-hmm. do a great job. I mean, if you haven't listened to Jason, it's, it's fantastic. But I just know to be prepped and to know the names because, I mean, if you're calling the Georgia State games, mm-hmm. and, I, and you and I met when you were part of you calling that game, and you were like, okay, you've talked enough. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my no, listeners no. are probably listeners appreciate that. Well, we finally got we finally got the date to get you get get you here on the schedule. But um, but but let's go back to like some of the younger people starting in high school. So you yeah. you're going around trying to get exposure to some of the high school sports. Mm-hmm. Um, how cool is that? It's amazing. I mean, it gets you back to why you love this game. Uh, last night, for example, it was Midtown and Jefferson mm-hmm. in five A girls round of sixteen over in Midtown Atlanta, right next to Piedmont Park. So beautiful setting. Game's 1-1, going to extra time, and there's a, a match winner with a minute 41 left in the second overtime. Oh, wow. And it's it's the combination of just the euphoria of the goal and advancing into the next round for Midtown and just the agony of, of conceding that on the other side. Yeah. I mean, this game is emotional. That's why, that's why we love it so much. So I always try to convey that. And it's something that, that really came home for me during the COVID broadcasting time period where we didn't have fans in the stands and mm-hmm. or we were calling the game remotely we we're calling it from atlanta while the game's being played in dc we're watching it on a monitor like it's really easy in those situations to lose that emotional aspect and this game different than baseball different than football or basketball to me in terms of how it should be called on the radio it's got to be emotional mm-hmm. i mean we were in toronto last weekend and it was great because the press box was full so we had to get moved to kind of under a tent next to the press box, just above the stands. Okay. So Machope Chol scores to give Atlanta the 2-1 lead. It's real quiet in the stands, except my partner, Mike Conti, is very loud. <laughs> and Mike's yelling, score. 
and somebody finds out, figures out who we are, and they turn around and they're booing us. So I have to react to it as I'm breaking down the goal, and it's you get just a buzz, a charge, like it's it's amazing. That's what I love about this game, the emotional aspect of it. Well, as a rookie, yeah, I told you I'd done all those years of just basic announcing of Parkview soccer, and it's funny how many people yell up because of what you said or yeah. didn't say, and I'm like, dude, I'm not even getting paid to do this. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm just doing it. But no, it it is, it is enjoyable to watch and. Um, what was it like? You know, you've done all these things for so many years, but during the COVID thing of calling a game with no fans there, I mean, well, I didn't get to go to any games, or nor I, I should say I didn't make any games of any sort during the COVID years. Yeah. Isn't that kind of weird? It's so weird seeing the highlights now from those games. Um, I, I was brought over to do TV for one of those at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and it was an empty building game. It was one of the first games back after the, the okay. break, after the MLS's back tournament. And it was the just strangest feeling because it's an intense game going on in front of you. It's Atlanta and the New York Red Bulls, which is a good rivalry, sure. good style of play. Like one's trying to press a lot. Atlanta's trying to play. It was just a, a really interesting match to me. But you didn't get that extra sensation that you get from the crowd. This is quiet. Yeah, so it's like, and TV is a whole different aspect than radio. Like radio, we're talking all the time, sure. going back and forth. It's a, a two-hour conversation during a game. But TV, you have to structure it different because everybody can see what you're talking about. So you're not oh, having yeah. to break everything down the same way. But then there's no sound from the crowd. So it's like you start talking to fill the silence. To fill the void. And it's just so weird. It was such a weird feel. The, the craziest thing about the COVID years with soccer for me was when everything started to shut down. So that March night. 2020. Yeah, yeah. we were in Mexico. We oh, were doing CONCACAF Champions League. We were at the Estadio Azteca. And on the way to the stadium, we're talking about, well, this next game that, that we have that might be behind closed doors as everybody's trying to figure this out. Then we get to the stadium and we get set up and the Hawks are playing before us on 92.9 the game. So we're listening to the Hawks game as we're getting ready. Then somebody comes over and says, Rudy Gobert just tested positive and they've, oh, shut, they, they've shut that game down. That's then right. Then half hour later, somebody else comes over and says, they're shutting the NBA down tonight. That. So we're listening to the Hawks broadcast and Steve Holman's talking about this in real time. We're getting ready to call a game. And then we start thinking, like, well, wait a minute. They're shutting everything down. Can we get back in the country? Exactly. You start, you start thinking of bigger things. Yeah. And we're like, what in the world are we doing? And, and we, we called the game, and it was just a, a weird game in the first half. But I was still locked into it. Sure. I was I was locked into the game. We're talking about the game. It was a 3-0 win for Club America. And second half, last 15 minutes, I couldn't tell you anything that happened. I'm just sitting there, like, I'm sitting here in Mexico City <laughs> – I know I can get back into the country now, but I don't know when we're going to play again. Like yeah. This is just the weirdest feeling. My oldest daughter at that time, she had gone from Georgia Tech to study abroad in Australia and New Zealand. And she was one of the last flights oh, to get wow. back right around that time. And because we were prayerfully like, uh, you know, because, you know, Australia and New Zealand just shut their borders. Yeah. So I remember we, we got her home and she had to take a crazy way to get home. But I, I remember distinctly, I'm a huge sports fan. My wife's like, they just tested positive and just shut the NBA season down. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what, what did you say? Yeah. I said, like, what do you mean they shut it down? It's like, they shut it down. And in my mind, I, I remember that year. Oh, that's right. She was going to come back, and we had, I had gotten the lottery to get March Madness tickets. Yeah. And they shut that down. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what, 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 do you, what do you mean? No, Mar I mean, all of a sudden, sports, which you and I both love, yep. I'm going, 
Where, where'd they go? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I could imagine being in Mexico with that, but it was a surreal time. And, um, even it seems like later with football or, you know, American football with, they started letting limited fans back, but it still wasn't the same as no. the full blown, you know, we didn't travel for a year cause we've, we've done all the games on the road since 2018 and we didn't travel until summer of 21. I'll say, yeah, 21. Uh, Nashville. And that w- actually, we, we drove to that one. That was before the, the protocols were in place for us to fly with the team again. Oh, that's right. It's just so crazy. Like, all the different things that we did not that long ago. Not that, that long ago. Were so disruptive, but we figured a way out to get things done during that time. I remember I was doing some of my shows at a different place at that time, but, you know, we'd bring guests on, not during the lockdown, like, well, when things yeah. started opening up, but, you know, you'd have people coming on, taking pictures with masks, other people, mm-hmm. all, you know, all the sanitation stuff you do, and it was, you know, to be around mics and whatever, it was just a, you know, you didn't know somebody wanted to fist bump yeah. or handshake yeah. or stay 20 feet away from you. <laughs> so, um, so, all right, so, so, um what has been some of the most fun? So now are you, well, let me back up. So right now more, you're doing more radio work or do you do yeah. some TV too? Or is um, it radio? Or right now I'm doing radio. Probably, um, the TV deal with major league soccer has changed this year. Apple TV has oh, the rights. Right. So they're doing everything in house, which is actually great for us on radio because what happens with the home games is you can listen to us on Apple TV oh. and it's synced up. So oh, really? like uh, ESPN has done this with um, their big college football games. Like I listened to the Georgia broadcast That's right. on ESPN plus that way. But Apple TV, the home games, you can listen to Mike and I call it. Oh, we and need, it's to, synced we up need to get that in the show notes because um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Home games, you can do that. And they're hoping next season to add for home and away. So you can listen to us just like we're the TV commentators. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. So what was it like? I mean, I'm just kind of curious. What was it like to call a game remotely? Like when you weren't even there. It's weird. It's different. <laughs> um, it, it, and it's not like completely abnormal in the soccer world because we have so many broadcasts here in the United States from leagues all over the world right. and, and people are here calling it. That's so true, I guess, yeah. it, it's kind of normal in soccer, but the first few times I did it. So the first year of the team, we didn't travel in 2017 on the road. So okay. we called road games from the studio back in, in Colony Square and It's a challenge. Like the biggest thing that I found was if you're watching it on TV, it's really easy to watch a game like you would on TV. You're sitting back in your chair, you're, you're relaxing, you're, you're kind of chilling. You're not, you're not up like, like I stand up during a game a lot of times (laughs) or like I'm like clenched fists a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you're watching a game on TV and talking about it, you've got to find a way to replicate that. And it's hard to do. Um, It's something you have to work at. And I, I really like, I thought I'd gotten better at it. Then we started to travel, which was good. But then during the COVID time and that TV game against the Red Bulls, it really struck with it really stuck with me about like you've got to work at manufacturing the emotion the energy, and the yeah. energy. You you have to put the work into it to get there. Well, it's like you know I was telling the speaking one of the last before I kind of pivoted back to my Atlanta stuff was I was, I'd given a speech in Vegas and it was like late February 2020. And, you know, we were talking, I said, what, what's the most important thing is human to human. And of course, then the whole world locks down. And, but, but I was, I was thinking in your world, you know, if I were sitting there, uh, speaking to an empty room, (laughs) I mean, part of what we get is, you know, people who are talking is the feed, you know, energy or, or what we're watching. And quite frankly, you know, you were talking about the, the high school teams. I mean, the energy of the losing side who's played their heart out yeah. and you know and feel you feel that energy as a sports fan but radio i think 
is a, it's a medium that still captures that. And, yeah. and it's something where, you know, you have to kind of picture who you're talking to, but it is, I mean, it is a performance. Like you have to think about it that way, in my opinion. Uh, when I do, we, we do a Monday night show called Atlanta soccer tonight now. And I do that from home. It goes out on the radio and I've got to kind of get, you know, amped up before I do the show because you have to be on. Right. And you have to think about it like, okay, I'm performing for, I know these fans are going to listen. I I know these fans are listening to the game at home. I know these people are going to listen, you know, on their way home in the post game show. Like you have to think about that. And it's almost, I I, I was describing this to somebody because I grew up as a a wrestling fan and I kind of fall in and out of, of the pro wrestling world. And you think about it a little bit as a wrestler cutting a promo in the ring. Like, they're not talking directly to, you know, each individual fan, but they're doing things to get a reaction. Right. And you have to broadcast that way. You know, that's and that's something I've never done. But but so in your mind, you almost have to conjure up the people. I mean, it's like, you know, the Harry Carey back in the day of who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I'm thinking as you're saying radio, because, you know, and, you know, I've, I've grown up and, and continue to listen to them both ways. But when you're truly listening on the radio, you're having to create the picture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no visual. That's the fun thing about doing these high school games it, for me is, you know, a game like last night with Midtown and Jefferson. I know there's a lot of parents from Jefferson who can't make the trip and, and they're going to be able to listen to their kids play That's awesome. because of me. So I, I have to be super locked into where they are on the field, you know, how fast they're moving, all the little things that we see, I have to try to convey that with words. Explain it with words. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching how you set up when you did the part view, and I can't remember what game that was. You probably remember better than me. Yeah, it was Walton. 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 Yeah, part view Walton. And um, just how dialed dialed in you were of the players and this and that, and that's pretty impressive with all the different things you have to provide color on. because you know, as you and I both know, with the things do, that's easier. It's easier said than done. And if you screw it up, everybody will let you know. They will. They will. But you have to also accept that you are going to screw oh, things up. Of course. Up. You know, like when you're talking at speed on the radio, calling a game for a two-hour block, you're going to mess things up. Oh. You're going to mispronounce somebody's name. You're going to stumble over a word. You're going to misidentify somebody, and you just have to keep rolling and get it right and move on. That's what I tell people all the time. They said, well, you know, in that one thing, you know, they always point out, and I'm just using, like, let's use the part. You think it's something yeah. as simple as that. You're not announcing game. You're saying the key things. All the things you got right, all the names you got right mm-hmm. is the one thing. Yep. And I'm going, guys, I'm not perfect. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, in that case, I'm like, you know, but it's a, um, you know, yeah, of course, when you're talking about a game that moves as fast, and I guess the only other game I can really think of, well, really, soccer never stops. So, you know, I was thinking basketball, but basketball has timeouts, free yeah. throws. You get hockey a, has aspects of it where hockey, it, yeah. it gets fast, but then they have stoppages. Yeah, I was trying. I was trying to think about this because you know, because soccer's the thing about soccer's. It always think about is this. I'll get your input because you call so many games and you love the sport. Yeah. What would you think about this? I've been pondering this in my mind. So you know, you might have forty minute halves, forty five minute halves, whatever, whatever the sport may be. But there is harder to reset your team in in the midst of a half if they get off base. You know, you mm-hmm. can do that in baseball. You do that in football. You do that in basketball. And, you know, in the ECNL and some of the other things, sometimes they have those two-minute water breaks now, yep. you know, mandatory water breaks. I see a lot of quick course correction of, like, oh, yeah. they've been trying to reach the guy on the other goes, what are you doing? You need to get up. Yes. And quickly they switch. I mean, I'm curious as they, they, they do tweaks in sports like baseball right now. Mm-hmm. What would that do to the game? And I said this to my wife, and she says, well, that's not how soccer is. And I'm like, I'm just wondering, a one- or two-minute water break, does that would that change 
change the game. I or, wouldn't be surprised if you see something like that midway through the half, have that break. mandatory break for fluids, no matter the temperature. I mean, now you do it if the weather's at a certain temperature, but you just do it regardless. I'd be good with it. Um, when I first did it, I remember them saying, like, this, you can't coach during this time period, and you're not going to stop yeah, a coach from saying anything. Come on. Like, in high school and in youth, you, you can kind of change things up with substitutions. Oh, yeah. And they can come on and, and make changes. But in a program, I mean, it's something Gonzalo Pineda from Atlanta United talks about all the time. Like, he sets the tone with everything he wants in the week of training, in the pre-match speech. He gets another chance at halftime. But – the players are the ones who are solving the problems on the field. Right. He can direct. He can change personnel up to a point. He can call somebody over during a stoppage and relay a message. But it is it is a game for the players, and they're the ones who have to solve the problems as they come up in the game. Well, I guess no different than a pitcher. You know, who knows what kind of what kind of game he wants to throw with the catcher, and you know it, they. You know, now they have the. I guess they they can talk to each other. Yeah, or that's crazy well, to me. I don't quite follow that one to be honest with you. That's, that's new this year. Right? <laughs> that's pretty new. You and got the, the pitch clocks and and all these I, things that are new in baseball right now. You know, and the thing about soccer, which is one of the coolest things, is you know you see the clock besides stoppage time, you pretty much know what yeah. your time is. The only reason I start getting frustrated with baseball and stuff when you throw to first base like ten times in a row, you know, yeah. and I do think there's and so come on guys, throw the pitch, you know. This look. this year they're getting baseball games down to about two and a half hours, I saw that. which is pretty good. Yeah, I, I think that's I'm, about right. I'm good with it. They they can still tweak some things and, and get it right, but that's good because I grew up on baseball and I I grew up listening to baseball on the radio. That's oh, probably yeah. one of the things that made me fall in love with with sports on the radio. So I want it to get back to where it was. Yep. It's never going to be the exact same game because just pitchers are used differently. There's so many different things. But speeding the game up was critical. Yeah, it was just getting too long. Especially yeah. you get, you know, let's say we want to watch a West Coast team. You and I are here in Atlanta. Oof. I mean, come on, man. You're finishing at 12. I mean, you know, you got to get up in the morning yeah. and these games go on forever. You know, and, and you know, it's, so for those West Coast teams, you know, I'm sure you see this in the MLS. It's, it's hard for, if you're an East Coast fan to, to, to be engaged because they're late, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, but I, I have not watched enough, but it does seem the data showing on the baseball. They're speeding it up a little bit. I think, you know, hopefully generate a little offense. Um, uh, you, you know, and, I, and, these, and you, you're a sports fan, so, you know, you see with the XFL and the USFL, mm -hmm. they're, they're doing these things, which is kind of interesting. A one-point play, two-point play was a three-point play. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the uh, where they have the fourth and 12 instead of the onside kick. I kind of right? like that idea. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by some of the things the XFL is doing. And did you see that Mike Pereira, is he's very involved with the USFL. I did not see that. Uh, yeah, so he's okay, the head of cool. officiating, so he's helping with the rules for the USFL. So I didn't, I don't know how all that works, but hmm. but what they were saying is everybody loves to see a classic finish, and you know if you're down by twenty points in football, you're you're done. Yeah. But if you can, I, I don't know how they do it. Cause I don't know all these rules, but. I saw some get like a six point play, and then they could go for fourth and twelve instead of an onside kick, and you could come back. Yeah, interesting. I haven't, you know, haven't seen it enough. Yeah, we're we're getting into a, a time period where like you have to balance the progression of sports right. and how games are changing a little bit with you know what we love about it and the traditional right. side. I think soccer is going through it on a, a little bit different scale, like with replay coming into it. Yeah, and VAR and how all that works and and how that's going to change it. I I like the idea. I like where it's going. I think the implementation still needs some work, but ultimately I want to see calls be made correctly. Yeah, I, and and if replay helps referees get the call right, 
I'm all for it. Because you don't want to see a goal pulled off by a wrong offsides call. Exactly. You know, some I, stupid I call. I want it right. I, I want to get it right. When did they the start? Thing. When do they start, Jason? Like in soccer, really? I can't remember what year with the VAR, the instant replay. When did they start Late doing it? In, in MLS, it came in in the second half of the 2017 season. So that's when they started to implement it around the world. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember whether there was that World Cup or Olympics in was it 2016 or 20? What was that with the? I remember. I'm I think trying to remember. 16 might have actually been a test of it in the Olympics, and in 18 it was in the World it was Cup. Like, okay, okay. So they started, you know, being able to review, and um, but at the end of the day, I agree with you. You know, go back to your Maradona goal, that wouldn't have counted. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. That would well, have been a whole different uh, experience for my life. It if probably that would have been different, and you know, and quite frankly, I still can't tell to this day if the Franco Harris play. W- ever hit the yeah, ground I have or not? No idea. And can you imagine reviewing that for twenty minutes? Oh, you know. So you know, the the to me, this is where you want to. I, I agree. Yeah. Got to get it right. But gosh, it takes forever sometimes. Yeah. And and you 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 know, then you talk about energy. For me as a sports fan, I'm like, come on. You know, you had this team on a mm-hmm. roll. Now yeah. they're standing there staring at the scoreboard for. And then you wonder, what well, do you have? Because in soccer, they the refs call it on the field, right? Yeah. But but this uh, USFL, they're one of the rules is they can call it from like New York. That's something I've wondered in soccer. If you get to that, and MLS, it's it's evolved a little bit in the way VARs are, are are used. It used to be that they were in each stadium, so they'd be in a booth in the stadium, and the the crew would send down the video for the referee to to look at to make the decision. Now you have all the the VARs in one place. They're actually in Atlanta. That's where oh, okay. the, the the hub is. And I think when you do that, then you start to open that door to, okay, to speed things up, instead of telling the referee to come over and look at it and they make the decision, VAR might end up getting the ability to overrule. Right. Now, that changes everything in right. the way that soccer is called. But I think in some ways it would be a good thing. Well, I'm thinking as you're talking, you know, I've been, I've been mulling this. It might not be New York. Wherever they're calling the, this, this USFL or whatever. But, yeah. but, but. If the goal is to get the call right, I mean, I, I guess you'd have to define the lines of this all is being called in the field. But if there's a challenge to get it to get it right, it's going to be fast. And then, of course, you're taking a little power out of the referee who's on the field. Yeah. So I don't know how that plays out, but it's it tough. takes a little – when they have a tiny little box, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you see in basketball right in the NBA or, or Final Four, and I'm like, how in the world can these guys possibly see that better than if, you know, yeah. you've been in the studio with a man, man yeah. with monitors? It's they're staring at it for like 15 minutes, and I'm thinking – you know, surely the guys that are experts on the rules are saying, dude, that was offsides or yeah. what an offsides. It, it's a tough balance. And, and I mean, ultimately it does come back to, you know, human error. It's something yeah. that will always be part of it, even with additional technology, which I think is good. You know, it's down to the, the humans implementing it and, yeah. and they're going to get calls wrong. And, and look, I mean, I call games for a living and yeah, we get frustrated with referees from time to time. Everybody does, but it's such a hard job. And I think, what I would really hope starts to happen more and more is that, okay, when we're talking MLS referees, we're talking World Cup referees, they're held to a higher standard. Sure. We know that. But let's not carry over that emotion no. of referees like messing things up to a high school yeah, game, no. to a youth game, which happens way too no, often. It's, it's these out days. of control. And, you know, even, you know, I've seen some games recently, and of course, you know, you get in the town, the high school, and the emotion, and, you, you know, you get. Ref gets frustrated. He's going to call it. You know, they're human. It happens. But, but you know, when you start seeing it down to the kids way younger than mine now, and I'm like, dude, 
come on. I mean, you know, you make people never want to referee. And that's the problem. I mean, Georgia soccer needs more referees for youth. Uh, you've had high school games canceled this season because they didn't have referees. You had non-region games canceled. They just didn't have enough referees to cover them. Because cause usually, cause, uh, in uh, GHSA or whatever, you have three refs for a soccer match. Ideally. But sometimes it's been two. Sometimes it's two. Like, And I, that system is really difficult. It used to be more of a standard in high school. You don't do it anywhere in in the world because it's just it's so difficult to do two whistles like oh, it's yeah. just you get two people you see the game differently it's it's really hard three is what I've seen most places this year right but not every game I've called games with, with two referees this season and that's where they go vertically across they kind of go something. diagonally or diagonally that's yeah it's diagonal. like one is in the the upper like if you're watching it from the sideline one's in the upper right and the other's in the lower left right. And they split the field in half, and they're they're kind of catty. So can can I have a question? Because I was watching one of these playoff games. Can the game can be ref with two refs, right? It can start that way. High school will do it with two. Yeah. yeah. Um. I youth you can't use two. So anything under U.S. Soccer, which is under FIFA, right? You can't use two referees. That system is not allowed. But in high school, because they have a completely different structure, they do allow it. So under the FIFA, you gotta have the three. Yeah, you have to. You have, you have three, or you have one. Yeah, oh. it's one, and then you'll use club ARs. So the the clubs have to provide an assistant referee, and all they do is do the the throw-ins. So tell our you know when our people, when our listeners are out there and they don't understand the game very well, because there's a lot of people that just don't understand the game yeah. very well. So what is tell people with the AR's ability because they're like the, the AR's over there he knew it he's not telling the ref and I'm like dude this isn't like the NFL I mean what yeah it's not the, the same it's not the same and they're like well why didn't he say anything I'm like I don't know the exact rule on it but I don't it, think he doesn't get the final call no no the referee makes the final call and, and even like we were talking about replay like the referee makes the final call there so they make the final call on everything now when you see crews that work together a lot then anytime an assistant referee uh, on the side puts their flag up, or if, if it's kind of a higher level game, they'll have headsets and they can talk. Um, you'll see referees trust their ARs when right. they work together a lot. You'll also see the opposite when it's a crew that hasn't worked together. Maybe the ref doesn't trust the AR, or if the AR gets a call wrong early in a game, the ref might not trust them later in the game. But generally offside because the AR can see it better than anybody right. else. The ref's going to go with whatever the AR says. Well, fouls are where it can go either way. Fouls, well, you know, and that's where the offsides of you know in soccer is the classic. Every everybody who doesn't understand the rules always offside. <laughs> you know, and they're yelling, and the AR saw that. And but yeah, but it's I so think hard. I, even in the high school, I think now we might have said I can't believe we, I can't remember if we did it in the show or uh, before we went on the air, but. They have the headsets now. Do they have headsets? A lot of crews do. And really, it's not something that you know referee associations will provide, as far as I know. I think it's generally like the referees who are doing higher-level games go out and get their own headsets. Okay. And they use them because it makes them better referees. You can, you can you actually can, communicate. You can talk. Instead of having like the old-school way, like the AR would have to kind of pop the flag so the right. ref might hear it. Now you can buzz them or you can say, like, hey, they're offside. Yeah, you I mean, know, so hey, that was a foul behind you. You couldn't see it. Stuff like well, that. Well, just, you know, and, and like you said, it, it really comes down to like everything else, like your partner's calling a game. It's the trust. Yeah, it's, it's the relationship. It's communication. Yeah, it's it's trust and it's communication. And that's the, it's, one of the tenets of the show. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the communications and marketing mm -hmm. and whatever because, um, you know, I mean, you know, if you've never worked with somebody before, I was watching a game earlier this year and on the high school side, and I'm like, they're like, that was clearly offside. You know, look at your AR. I'm like, well, maybe he's never worked with that AR. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. maybe he 100%. has. I don't know, but he may not know who the guy is at all. Right. And, you know, he's the one going to be blamed for the call if you're the ref. But, 
All right, so all right, so let's make sure, Jason, because we got you got so many things. So you've got <laughs> so, soccerdownhere.net. Now, what all does that cover again? So we tell our listeners what all's under that domain. Yeah, so website. so we started Soccer Down Here uh, January of 2017. Um, me, uh, John Nelson, who works for jo- Georgia Public Broadcasting. Uh, anybody who follows high school sports knows John. Yeah from the high school football games on GPB. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jarrett Smith and Nick Alifi are also on our network. We started the network, and we started a daily podcast show. Um, I did the daily show from January 17 until last summer. Uh, I stepped away from the daily show. John's continuing that. Uh, I got COVID in Toronto last year. The uh, first time I got COVID was last summer in Toronto. Oh, jeez. And unfortunately, I got the long COVID variety, uh, which I'm um, knocking on wood now. It feels like it's it's getting a little bit better and it's starting to ease off, and I'm able to do a lot more. But it was really tough there for a while, and I had to focus on just calling games. So this season, I've, I'm doing more with going out to Atlanta United training and, and doing more longer form sure. pieces. So, so do you go out and do some interviewing? and Go out do some interviews, the do the video at the, at the training facility, do all of that. Um, so Soccer Down Here has a daily show, has 1v1 interviews with coaches, with players, with administrators all over the country, new clubs that are starting up. Uh, we do the high school show called Soccer is in Session where we update everybody on the high school, you know, reports and, and games and recaps. Uh, in the fall, that'll cover more of the college in, in the state of Georgia. So that's where we also do Atlanta United 2 radio broadcasts okay. and the high school radio broadcasts on all Soccer right, so Down Here. if they go to that website, everything's housed. There's all kinds of things on that website. All right, cool. And wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe yep. to Soccer Down all Here. All right, cool. So we'll have that. And then 92.9 The Game is that where the uh, show for the Atlanta United is? Yeah, that's Atlanta United broadcasts, and that's also our Off the Woodwork podcasts. So uh, that's been one of the big things that I've been so happy to, to really start to grow this season is doing more regular content for a general sports audience at, at 92.9 The Game. So we started a show last year during the World Cup where we were the only terrestrial radio station in the country to do a nightly World Cup show. Very cool. So we did usually 11 o'clock, um, depending on Hawks game. Sometimes we sure. get bumped around the schedule a little bit. But we recapped every day of the World Cup. Got good ratings, got good download numbers, so we continued it. So we're every Monday now, Atlanta Soccer Tonight. We talk Atlanta United. We talk everything going on around the world. It is a jam-packed hour Dang, awesome. of soccer content. So that's 11 o'clock on Mondays. It goes out as a podcast. Uh, we do stoppage time, which is a live show on Facebook on, on Wednesdays, typically. Um, March to Match Day is a show that I created this year, which gets all those interview clips that I do during the week of players, of coaches, to set you up for the next Atlanta United match. Oh, dude, that's awesome. All right, so and then you're, I asked you before we went on, so you're, if people want to follow you, I know you're all over the place, but... Uh, what would you say? That's a nickname? <laughs> what did you got yeah. on Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, so my last name's Longshore. Uh, my handle on social media is Longshoe. And <laughs> when I played in high school at Eagles Landing, uh, we had a, a guy on the team who was from Liberia. Uh, he scored like 43 <laughs> goals that season. He was amazing. He used to be the state record. Now people are scoring 100 goals right. in the season, which is nuts. I know. Um, but Levi, when everybody called, you know, a lot of times on teams, you call, call people by their last yeah. name. And Levi was yelling at me and he's saying long shoe. And like <laughs> other guys are like, no, his name's Longshore. And he's like, no, it's long shoe. So, <laughs> so it just it stuck. It stuck and it's continued on forever. So oh, you, you can't finish the show better than that. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, come on. That's great. All right. So 
we will get all the stuff, your handles, um, you know, the show handles, all that. But man, I mean, I think I feel, I feel like I talk a lot for a living. That's a lot of stuff. you <laughs> Kudos, man. That's really seriously, uh, in particular, being a sports fan with a passion for soccer and bringing that out. That's just uh, much needed and, and very well done. I'm I'm lucky to get to do what I do, and it's awesome that people are consuming it. And and for me, whenever I get a chance to talk to to high school kids or younger kids who are interested in in doing this sort of thing, and if I can be what we didn't have back in the day, we right. th- there wasn't anybody like this back in the day, and there wasn't soccer on the radio. So if we can grow that to where it's just common and what we're all used to, that's that's what I'm trying to do. We're well, doing a heck of a job. And, you know, it was funny. When Let's go back to this close. When did Atlanta Chiefs, what was their time here? They were here, and was it in the 70s, early well, 80s? You had two versions. You had the 1967 that's to right. 72, and then you had the 79 to 81. And it was that uh, goalie, uh, goodness gracious, going back in time. Graham but, Tut? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. remember that. Yep. Graham, Graham sadly passed away late last year. Did, um, did he? He did so much for growing the game, and mm-hmm. that's something that I'm working really hard to do, and we've, we've got a, a podcast series coming out over at Atlanta United um, later in the year to kind of recap Atlanta's soccer history. Oh, cool. Because there's just so many people like Graham who really gave their lives to the game sure. and to grow the game at a time – you know, like I wouldn't have gotten into the game no, if they hadn't right. done that. I remember so. that from from growing up. I remember when you said that. Like, yep, that's who it was. But they made an impact probably before the time to plant the future seeds. Yeah, they they planted the seeds, and it really took something like Arthur Blank and Atlanta United to come along and take advantage of that. Yeah. But Atlanta United isn't successful like it is now if you don't have that 100%. ready to go. So. A lot of years in the making. Yeah. All right. Well, Jason Longshore, my friend, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me on. All right, I'm going to close this out. Folks, you've been listening to another Marketing Matters uh, with Ryan Sowers on the End Results Radio Network inside the Perimeter Roofing Studio from the Country Inn Suites in Stone Mountain. You can get the show at endresults.com or any of our other shows. Just click on Current Shows button or anywhere you get your podcast. For my great guest, uh, Jason Longshore. Folks, you've been listening to another Marketing Matters with Ryan Sowers. Until next time, make your marketing matter. This has been Marketing Matters with Ryan Sowers. For even more advice, visit ryansowers.com. That's R Y A N S A U E R S.com.